Good morning. Good morning. I've got a couple of announcements I just want to go over. First up, Jim Maurer's class is meeting on Wednesday night. It's a Bible study. And yeah. So Wednesday night, 6.30 in the church. They're social distancing, wearing masks, very safe environment. If you'd like to come out to that, please do. So 6.30 uh, on Wednesday night. Um, I've got a prayer request that we're going to pray for, but um, Willard has been hit hard here recently with COVID. And it's mostly in one of our nursing homes. They've, been, they've had a lot, of, a lot of cases in that nursing home. But it's not just in there. Um, I think we have one in the school. We have, um, I just found out on Friday night, we've got two firemen, uh, one full-time, one part-time that have it. Uh, there's exposure to the police department. And I'll tell you, both fire and police are severely understaffed right now before COVID. So this is just going to hurt. They're going to have to work a lot of overtime. And if it spreads anymore, then we get into some serious uh, concerns. So if you could pray for them. It's also, um, there's like 10 cases in the community as well. So if you would join me, we're going to pray for them, pray for everybody, and, and just lift this uh, prayer request up. Um, I don't know if you know this, but we have an election coming up. Something else we can pray for, right? Yeah. Sure, we're all excited about that. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to have a prayer and worship night on election night. So we're going to invite you out on election night uh, to just pray about it and worship the Lord. I know I have woken up the day after election and been severely depressed on the results of election day in the past. And that's probably going to happen to some of us in here, uh, depending on how this election goes. So what I would like to do, though, is just to remind us who is really in control and who our hope and our faith is really in. It's not in a person in the White House that's important. We want to get out and vote. We want to be educated about that. But ultimately, we're going to be trusting in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, no matter who's in the White House. And we're going to pray for whoever is in the White House, right, and lift them up and pray God gets a hold of them and, and wrecks their life and turns it upside down, right? All right. So put it on your calendars, Tuesday, November 3rd. I'm not sure what time. We'll talk about that, and we'll figure that out. Um, we got an award. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone that was involved. The school gave us an award because we were helping hand out food. I think that's a, a great way to minister and serve the community. Um, we had some members in here that were doing that. So a big thank you to everybody that was a part of this food giveaway and, and that help that you provided. That's what we want to do, right? We want to serve the community and, and be that way. Um, uh, Another request is, as you know, we live stream our videos out to people, and there are people watching, not just from this state, but from other states and everything. We need to do some upgrades to that to get a better quality. We are borrowing a lot of equipment, and we do not want to borrow somebody's equipment and break it and then you know, be in trouble for that or, or anything. So there's a few thousand dollars that we need to spend to do some upgrades. We also have um, our sound team that needs some new mics and everything, if you've ever noticed, and it starts screeching or something starts happening, we could use some upgrades as well. So would you start to pray about that and think about that and see if God would lead you to give some money towards that? Just write sound or uh, live stream on your envelope and just put it in the envelope uh, in the offering place. Remember, the offering plates are in the back. We don't pass them, uh, but that's a great way to worship. Uh, so Begin to pray about that. If you get it, if we go with another round of stimulus checks, maybe that would be a good way to spend some of that money that you get in there and give towards that. Um, but I think that's it. Would you stand with me? I do have one more request. I received a message on Friday night from somebody who is, uh, has a contact in a prison and that person um, either has a cellmate or someone that they know that has uh, no contact with anybody outside of the prison, and they are depressed, and they could just use somebody to write them. So this is a male. I'm wondering if the, the guys in here would pray about that and see if they would feel called to write this person and share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ with that person. So it needs to be a male. We don't want a, a woman writing a male in prison. Uh, but would you pray about that too?
and see what God would have you. And if you are interested and want to write that person, let me know about that. All right, that's an awesome, awesome ministry. That's awesome. All right. Thank you, Lanny. I will get you that information. All right. Awesome. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to fellowship together and worship collectively. Lord, would you help us turn our complete attention to you? For you are the creator of the universe. You created us. You know us. You love us, Lord. And we just want to praise you for all that you've blessed us with. Lord, I know there, there might be some heavy things out in this congregation or some heavy things that people are dealing with that are watching this. Lord, would you remind them who you are? Lord, would you help them to turn these things over to you and to entrust them, entrust these things to you, Lord? We ask you to move in these situations. We ask if there's people that are sick or dealing with health concerns, we ask that you just touch them. Lord, if there's um, relationship issues, we pray that you would be all over those as well. We know what you can do, Father, and we give you praise in advance, Lord. Lord, would you be with the praise team? Lord, we thank you for these people who are willing to serve and to use their talents to glorify you. That's what we want to do. We want to give you all praise. No matter what they're singing, no matter what type of music it is, Lord, we just want to praise you. For you alone are worthy. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
Can we continue that praise? Does anybody have anything they'd like to share? You can be seated. Anybody have anything that they'd like to praise God? Anybody can speak to uh, maybe that reckless love that that kicked down the door that came after them? Anybody say amen to that? It's not a reckless as in a careless love. It is a reckless as in a sacrificial love love that just goes after people. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we are continuing on in this sermon series. I have never done a sermon series longer than two weeks. And we are in week four. John chapter 15. All right, what's the name of the sermon series? Branch Life, thank you. And this is uh, all about John chapter 15. Remember where we're at in the story, in the account of Christ. This is moments before he is going to be crucified, less than 24 hours. In John chapter 14, Jesus meets and, uh, and has his last supper with his closest Followers, And after that, they leave and they go, and they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will be betrayed, taken into custody, and crucified. That's where we're at. And as they're walking, though, to the Garden, Jesus talks to them and gives them this metaphor, this branch and vine metaphor. He gives them a picture a picture, something tangible that they can go back to, something that they can remember and be reminded of. And this is all about the relationship that he wants to have with them. And this branch life is the same thing that we need to be reminded of, the same thing that we need to go back to. So John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, And my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, let your word be all that we hear. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just come and speak to our hearts. Father, I pray that our our hearts would be soft, our eyes would be open, our ears would be open, and we would be expecting, we would be wanting, we would be hoping for you to speak through your word directly to us. Pray that you would just speak directly what each and every one of us needs to hear about this passage into our lives and that we would go away and believe it and apply it and live it out, Lord. Father, we give you all praise. We give you all thanks. It is you alone that we worship, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, a little recap. By now, I hope you guys can give me the recap and say what this is about. If you, if you missed any of these series, uh, they are available on YouTube. You can find them and check them out there. But just a little recap, just in case you're new or if, you're, if you've forgotten something. Week one, we talked about, um, starts off where in this passage, Jesus talks about, I am the true vine, right? And that's just filled with a lot of meaning when he says, true vine, uh, and you are the branches. If you stay connected to me, Jesus tells us, then you can bear much fruit. But if you aren't, you aren't going to be able to do anything. So week one, we talked about, hey, we need to be connected. And really, being a Christian is about being a connected more than about production. And so many times in church and in life, everything hinges on production. Our worth, how we feel about ourselves is all about the production. But we need to flip that around. We need to get into the upside-down kingdom and remember that connection is the highest priority. And out of connection will flow production. All right. Now, this is especially significant for these disciples, for these early followers of Jesus, because they're going to be a part of changing the world. They're going to be a part of carrying on the work of Christ. And it's important for us because we're called to carry on the work of Christ. I mean, they're going to turn the world upside down. That was the plan that Jesus had for them. And he's trying to prepare them to do that and get them ready. But how do you do that, right? Notice Jesus doesn't give them some big five-year plan, some 10-year plan, some 20-year plan, or give them each individual task that they need to do. He doesn't give that to them. He just says, hey, you've got to be connected to the true vine. You've got to be connected to me in order to produce fruit, in order to produce the fruit, that real fruit, that Holy Spirit fruit that will turn this world upside down. So that's what we focused on on week two. Week two, uh, week one. Week two, we looked at two different types of branches, right? There's the branch that says in verse two, he cuts off, but we talked about maybe it's better translated, he picks up every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Tough message there. So we saw the vine dresser or the gardener will come around and he'll check the branches. He'll look at the branches. Maybe sometimes those branches are in the dirt, in the mud, on the ground, right? And he looks and what's he check? He checks to see if it's connected. And if it is connected, he picks it up, he cleans it off, He intertwines it with another mature branch, another strong branch, and then he sets it up on the rock, right? What an awesome metaphor for the church. That's what we're about, picking people up, cleaning them off, intertwining our lives with them, and setting ourselves on the rock of Jesus Christ, right? 
Then he says, uh, if you are bearing fruit, though, the vine dresser is going to prune you. Why? So that you'll even produce more fruit, right? You'll be even more fruitful. And I, hopefully you too, maybe we're changing the way that we're thinking about 2020. And maybe we can see that this is a year of pruning where some things are being taken out of our life to make room for more connection, for more fruit, right? And maybe we'll be able to look back at the year 2020 and praise God for it. I think that's going to happen. Last week, we talked about abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ, focusing in on that connection. And I challenge you, what, can, what stirs your heart towards Christ? Focus in on those things. We're talking about Bible reading, prayer, church, fellowship, worship, books. You know, all those things can be things that stir our heart towards Christ. We need to focus in on those things. And similarly, we need to get rid of all those things that draw our attention away from him. Those things can be very good things. But if they're drawing our attention, if they're replacing our dependence on God, then we need to get rid of them and get them out of the way. We also talked about how abiding in Christ is the key to producing the fruit of the Spirit, the singular fruit of the Spirit. What's interesting about a vine, if you study its viniculture instead of its horticulture, did anybody just think I sounded pretty smart there? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I feel kind of smart. I, I feel like I know a lot about vines, right? And probably not super useful in this world. But um, the more I learn about vines and vineyards, though, man, the more I, the more I see, man, Jesus knew what he was talking about with this metaphor because it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And of course, it's Jesus, right? Yeah, he, he created the vines. He knows all about them, of course, and he knows that this is going to be a, a really great metaphor. But this thing keeps blowing my mind the more I learn and the more I research. Here's the thing. All right, most plants, most trees, bushes, uh, things that you grow in your, your garden, maybe you've got like 40 tomato plants growing in your garden, most of those things, they depend on a good root structure and a trunk, a good trunk. That's how they operate, all right? And so the branches, in turn, suck the nutrients from the trunk, from that root structure. That's how they operate. With a vine, it's, it's totally different. It's a less substantial root system, all right? Not a whole lot to the root. But a vine presses the nutrients into the branch. Do you get that? A vine presses the nutrients into the branch. So the branches don't pull. They don't suck. They don't have a choice about it. Instead, the nutrients are pressed into the branches. A vine presses itself out. So, get this. If you abide in Christ, if you are connected to the vine, the true vine, which is Jesus Christ, right? you're going to have, start having his essence pressed into you. That's huge. And I hope we get that. All right? Who he is pressed into us. The perfect Christ pressed into us. How do we produce the fruit of the Spirit? It is only by having Jesus Christ pressed into into us, and out of that, that's where that fruit comes. When you're connected to Him and you're having Him pressed into you, you're going to become more like Him. You can't help it, you can't stop it if you're abiding in Him, if you're connected to Him. It's going to happen. With the tree, you just, you just choose whether to draw it, whether you need it. Or not, and it's your choice, the branch of a tree. But with a vine, it's pressed into you. Um, religion, it teaches you that um, you become like Christ by right thinking and right behavior. You gotta, you gotta try, you gotta do a good job, and you gotta do all these things. But true Christianity teaches you that it is all about the connection, all about abiding in Christ, in him pressing himself 
into you. And the Bible says, whoever abides in me will bear much fruit. So you aren't pulling from Christ. You aren't choosing to pull from Christ. All right? He's pressing into you when it comes to the vine. When he invites you into relationship with him, he's inviting you to receive him, to receive the Holy Spirit. He dwells inside of you. Abide in me as I abide in you. That was that union that we talked about in a previous week that I can't remember. But that's that union that we talked about. That's why we celebrate communion. That's why we take in the sacraments, to remember that. That's why we do that when we, when we have baptism. When we go under the water, we die to ourselves, and we come out in union with Christ. If we focus on connection and do that, that's when we produce the fruit. And we talked about the fruit, the singular fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I ask you, what would, you, what would be better for the people that are around you in your life than to be full of the fruit of the Spirit? Do you think your, your wife is ever going to say, man, my husband is just full of gentleness and self-control and patience and it's driving me nuts, right? That will never happen. What could be better for the relationships that you're involved in to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit for your kids, right? I'm sure my kids would appreciate more patience and, and kindness, a little bit more self-control. What could be better? Hmm. Today we're going to be looking at the third type of branch, and these are the branches that are not connected to the vine. These are the branches that are on the ground. These are the branches that are disconnected. And this is where it gets a little scary. Verse 6, he says, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. There's a couple things that we need to nail down right from the beginning with this passage, okay? Before we get off track. A couple things we need to nail. First thing you need to notice is this isn't about works. This isn't about fruit, right? It doesn't say anyone who doesn't produce fruit is thrown away, right? So, it's about anyone who does not remain in me, abide in me. It's all about connection. It's never, remember week one, it's not about production. Your worth is not based on production. Your relationship is not based on production. Your relationship is based on connection, are you abiding in Christ? So let's nail that down right from the beginning. Second thing, who's throwing the branch away? I thought the gardener was, and the gardener was God, right? I thought that. But then I noticed it doesn't say that, right? In the other, in the other two branches, it talks about the gardener comes, and we said picks up. Another translation cuts off. Or the gardener comes and prunes, but it does not say that, right? In this one, it doesn't mention the gardener because it's, this is about our choice. It's our choice whether we abide in Christ. So I really think it's our choice that we're throwing ourselves away, that we're disconnecting. We're choosing not to abide in Christ. So let's, let's keep that in mind. We're the ones who detach ourselves. We're the ones who throw ourselves away from the vine. We quit abiding him, and we start to wither and start to become that useless branch. When a branch falls off the vine, it goes from being a branch to becoming a useless branch. Let, let's call the useless branch a stick. Because that's what it is. We pick up sticks, right? So a branch is only a branch if it's connected to the vine. Because the moment that it's not connected to the vine, it stops being that useful branch that can bear fruit, and it starts to just become, let's say, a stick. All right? If you're a stick, the only thing that you can hope to produce is fake fruit. The only thing you can tie to yourself is some fake fruit. You'll never bear the real fruit of the Spirit if you're not connected. 
if the vine is not pressing into you to produce that fruit. You won't have the fruit of the Spirit. And this is a picture, again, of religion. This is what it's like to be religious. It sticks pretending or trying to produce fruit, but it's all fake. And that that pile of sticks that it talks about in that verse, that can be a church. The church doesn't have the evidence of a lot of fruit. That's all it is, a pile of sticks. And we need to be careful that we're not that church, right? We're not, we need to be careful that we're not faking it because it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to fool other people, you know, but is that fruit real? So, somebody get this. Um, and you're at the point where you come to a church and you, it's just a pile of sticks, you know, and you, you, you think you saw fruit, but you get a little bit closer and you realize it's just fake fruit, fake Christians, and really they're just a bunch of sticks, and you're like, man, I don't want to have anything to do with that. If that's what Christianity is about, then you give up on, you give up on that, and it turns you off. Or, or maybe you're part of a church that preached that you had to produce the fruit, you had to try hard enough. You had to follow this rule and that rule and do this and do that. And if you dance with two feet, you know, then you're sinning and, and whatnot, you know. And maybe no matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't produce that fruit. So you, you gave up. I think there's a lot of sticks in churches like that. Good intentions, trying to be branches but not abiding in Christ, not connected. So let's look at some other types of sticks, right? Every stick has a story. Every stick has a story of how it went from being a branch to becoming a stick, a story of how it got disconnected from the vine. Some branches become sticks because of storms. Maybe a lot of branches become sticks because of storms. Storms have a way of revealing how strong the connection is. Is. And sometimes the connection is just not very strong, and that storm of life comes up, and you're wondering, you know, the church told you that everything was going to be great, and life would be perfect, and you have Jesus in your life, so there, you're not going to have any problems or anything like that, and then all of a sudden, though, you have these problems, and they're huge, and they're big, and then you're wondering, were they lying, you know, if they're lying about that, or are they lying about all this stuff, and you're like, ah, I'm out, you know, and you sever that connection completely. In the next chapter in John 16, 33, Jesus warns them and says, in this world, you will have trouble. If you are a follower of Christ, it is not all roses. In fact, Jesus tells you that the world will hate you. So, let's be warned. In this world, you will have trouble. In other translations, you will have many trials and suffering. Okay, but that's what, then what does he say? You remember what he says? But take heart, I have overcome the world. Hmm. You're going to have storms in your life. Some of you are in storms, I'm sure, right now. Big things that you're dealing with. Health issues, relationship issues, kid issues, parent issues. Some of you are in storms right now. And my friends, you need to make your connection to God the priority. Storms have a tendency to draw me closer to God, to draw me in dependence to God. That's who I go to. That's where I go to. That's what I cling to. And he always stays with me and pulls me through the storm. And he'll do the same for you if you'll cling to him. The other way that I see branches become sticks is due to a disease. Sometimes it's, it's not a storm, and sometimes there is a disease. Oftentimes these are hard to see until it's too late. Maybe a disease rots you from the inside. Maybe you have uh, something on the inside rotting you away. This is the effect that sin has on our life, right? That sin, when it is unchecked, when it is unconfessed, 
can rot you from the inside out. That sin that we excuse, we know it's something that we shouldn't do, but we make excuses for it. I'm a great rationalizer. I've told you this before. I can rationalize anything. You're just rotten, though. Rotting. That sin that you try to handle on your own strength and your own power, and yet you feel helpless to overcome it, that's the sin that rots us from the inside out. Author Philip Yancey tells a story of a friend of his that came to him and they had lunch together. And this friend immediately, when they sat down to talk, drops this bombshell that after 15 years of marriage, he was going to lose his, leave his wife. Why? Because he had found somebody by his own admission that was younger, prettier, and paid more attention to him. And there weren't any significant problems with his wife. Maybe a little lacking in intimacy, but he just had something that drew his eye a little bit more. And so this man says to Yancey, look, um, I know what I'm about to do is wrong, but here's what I want to know from you. Just straight up, after the divorce, I mean after the divorce is final, and I'm married with my new wife, will God forgive me? Will God forgive me for what I am about to do? And of course, this is, this is a, a tough question to answer. Yancey sipped on his coffee for a little bit and finally said, look, you want to know if God will forgive you for what you're about to do? The answer is yes. He will. God will absolutely forgive you. But you're asking the wrong question. Yancey said, the question is, or the question that you should be asking is, will you even want forgiveness? And the point he's making is that man is in danger of his heart being hardened when he chooses to reject God and embrace sin. And I hope that speaks to somebody in here today. It's not that God wouldn't want him. It's that he wouldn't want God. And that's exactly what happened. He went through this divorce, went through his plan, left behind his wife and family, most of his friends, his church, all the people that cared about. And he also left behind God. God hadn't moved, but he quit abiding in God. He chose to move away, and he withered, and he disconnected. There's a lot of stick stories like that one. That's why Hebrews 3 says, Today, listen, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts against him. Don't put it off. Don't wait until things get back to normal. Do something about it. My friends, run towards the cross. Fall down at his feet and repent and ask forgiveness. Do not put any delay. Do not let any time go by. Ask for forgiveness. Repent and focus in on your connection to him. Reach out. Ask for your church brother and sisters to help you out. Right? Ask us. We'll help you. Most importantly, let Jesus forgive you. Right? Embrace that grace. Don't put it off. Don't let your heart get hardened. Don't wither. Don't let your life get turned into a stick. All right, so most stick stories probably involve unexpected storms or, or unchecked sin. And Jesus says very plainly, these sticks are not useful for anything. They're just to be gathered up into a pile and burned. In Scripture, fire is a symbol of judgment. Make no mistake about it. It is a symbol of punishment. It is a symbol of hell. It is eternal separation from God. And my friends, it is your choice. Your responsibility. 
abide or disconnect. It's not something you have to earn. It's a gift, right, that you accept and you embrace. And it's your choice. Stay connected. Stay connected to Jesus. When the storms comes, when you struggle with temptation, when you fall, stay connected to Him. Abide in Him. Be the branch. All right, what if you're disconnected? Maybe some of you in here are disconnected. You're, you're dry. You're withered. You're dead. You're spiritually dead. Maybe you're watching this and wondering, is there any hope for me? Of course, right? I think you need to remember at what point in time that we're, we're talking about, right? Jesus is, and his disciples are walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. We talked about this. He's about to be betrayed. He's about to be crucified. And so this conversation that is, he is having with his followers is right before the cross. And here's why this matters. Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, listen, when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for sticks to become branches. Amen? Amen. He made a way for sticks to become branches. He died so that sticks could live again. Some of you were branches that became sticks, and you thought that your fruit-bearing days were over. And there's, there's nothing left for you except to be gathered up, thrown into the pile, and burned. But Jesus made a way to become a branch. There's an interesting process when it comes to vines and branches called grafting. You've heard of that before, grafting, right? It's a process where they take a branch and they reattach it to a, to a vine, to a tree, to some kind of plant. It's really cool. The gardener will cut a V-shape into the vine or into the trunk. Um, and remember, this is a metaphor, right? This is a metaphor. God is the gardener. Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine, right? And so in the grafting process, the gardener cuts a wedge into the vine who is Jesus. And do you know what it's called? It's called bleeding. The gardener (laughs) makes the vine bleed so that a stick, a branch can be grafted in. In Christianity, it is all about the blood of Jesus Christ being shed for us. A little bit more about this process. The gardener takes the branch and he prepares it. He prepares it by stripping it clean and cleaning it off. Then he bleeds the vine and sticks it in there and seals it with some wax. Man, that's a metaphor for salvation, isn't it? The vine bleeds, the stick becomes a branch, and over time the nutrients start to flow and be pushed into that branch, and fruit starts to grow. Praise God, right? That branch is born again. It's alive. And pretty soon it'll start bearing fruit. Jesus bled so that sticks could become branches. Real churches are made up of a bunch of sticks that got grafted in by the blood of Jesus Christ and became branches and started producing fruit. If, if we abide in him. That's the key. Staying connected to him. And, And my friends, do you see why this is the first series that we need to go through as a church? Because this is where it starts. This is what's important for God's design for us, for God's vision for us. It has to start with us not being sticks, being connected to the vine, abiding in him so that we can produce fruit, fruit that will change a community, 
right? Fruit will that will have an impact. I don't want to be a part of a church that's just sticks. I have no interest. No, zero interest. I don't, I'm tired of being a stick in my own life. I want to abide in him. I want to trust him and let him push into me and produce that fruit. And I want us to get it. I want us to get it that it's not about how hard we try. It's about abiding. It's about staying connected. I don't want to fake it. Connection's everything. We have to quit using excuses that we don't have time, right? This is 2020. You have nothing better to do with your time, right? Quit using that excuse. Some of you have spouses or friends. You have good relationships with them, right? I want you to imagine, what would that relationship with that spouse or that friend be like if you spent as much time with them as you do with God? What would that relationship be like? Would you even know them? Would you know what they like, what they don't like? Would you be able to make them happy? Some of us would have some horrible relationships because the only time we spend with God is an hour on Sundays, hit or miss. Some of us, the only prayer time that we have is meal time. Can I tell you, it doesn't count. Let me just say that. Good to do, but it really doesn't count. All right. I mean, that might sound harsh, but it really doesn't improve your relationship with God. At least most mealtime prayers that I see and experience. If that's your prayer life, you don't have a prayer life. I'm not saying don't do it, all right? Because it's good to thank God and give Him praise, but that can't be your prayer life. Mealtime prayer, that cannot be your prayer life. Let's flip that around. What if you spend as much time with God as you do your wife or that good friend that you have? Man, what would that look like? What if every day you talked to Him and you made time to spend with Him and you wanted to get to know Him? You remember when you first got married and how eager you were, you first started dating, you wanted to find out everything about that person. You, you made time, right? You called your wife four times just to set up another date or your, your girlfriend or, or the one you were hoping you'd be a girlfriend, whatever. But what would happen if we spent that much time and made our connection to God that kind of priority? How would it change us? At the end of this passage, God gives us a promise on how to begin to know what God wants, to know how to pray. Has anybody ever struggled with this? How should I pray? God, I don't know if, you're, if you even hear me. Lord, I want to pray your will, but I'm not sure what your will is. Here's the answer in verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Pretty amazing verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, how do you do that? Right, because that's the key. How does that happen? Of course, it's what we talked about last week, time. Staying in his presence. Prayer. Reading his word. Bringing that word into your life. If you do this, look what he says. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now let me tell you, all right, don't take this as a magic formula. Okay, you give God 10 minutes a day, seven days a week, 70 minutes, you know, through that week, and, and now you expect a million dollars from God, right? That's not how it works. If you have that kind of thought, you know, that's just going to frustrate you. What will happen, though, is that you, as you abide in him and he presses into you, you're going to be shaped by his presence you're going to begin to look like him. You're going to begin to have his heart for people. And you're going to begin to ask for the things that are not of the world. Right? The desires of his heart. 
will be pressed into your heart. And of course, he's going to give you those desires, right? Listen, if you're continually asking God for stuff and it feels like you're banging your head against the wall and you're really frustrated with God because he's not answering your prayers, it's probably because you're not abiding in him. You aren't spending time with Christ. You don't know what he wants and you just ask for what you want and it's just useless stick stuff. Verse 8, but this, my father, I'm sorry, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What's the proof that you're a Christian? What's the proof that you're a Christ follower? It's fruit that glorifies Christ. It's that simple. Don't mistake it. The fruit doesn't make you a follower. The fruit doesn't earn that for you. It is evidence, though. James says that faith without works is dead. It's evidence, So here's the question. Is there any evidence that you are a follower of Christ? If there isn't, what are you going to do? The answer is not, I'm going to go produce fruit, right? I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do this and and make something happen. No, the answer is, I'm going to go abide in Christ. I'm going to go focus in on my connection with Christ and let God do what he wants with my life. I'm calling, I'm calling you, I'm challenging you to abide with Christ. That's the challenge. Last week, that's the same challenge this week. Will you stand with me? Once again, this is the first stage for whatever God is calling our church to be. And I have no clue what that is. He doesn't give you a a roadmap, I think, when you're a pastor to lay it all out. But I know this is where it starts. And I know this is what's important. My friends, if you're a stick, get connected. Invite Jesus into your life and abide in him. Abide in his love. Abide in his grace. Make that a priority in your life. Spend time in the word. Even if you don't understand what you're reading. Even if it's weird. Spend time in his word. Reach it. Pray to him. Not just meal prayers. Spend some time praying to him. Lord, what what would you have? What do you want to speak to me today about? What do you have planned for me for the rest of the day? Help me to recognize anything that you want me to do. Help me to serve you. Change my attitude. Lord, I don't even want to pray. All right? Maybe you're just honest with him. I don't even want to pray. I don't even want to do this, Lord. Would you change what I want, though, to what you want? Put on K-Love. Make a donation to K-Love. They're doing their drive right now. Listen to some worship music. And read a good book. That's going to encourage you to stir your heart towards Christ and just spend time abiding with him. Guard that. All right? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for making a way for us. I thank you for dying on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven so that we could become children of God. I thank you for picking us up and cleaning us off. I thank you for helping us when we're weak. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your bleeding, shedding your blood, Lord. I thank you that it's never too late as long as we're, we've got breath. It's never too late to get connected to you. And even in this moment, Lord, I pray that if there is somebody who is not connected to you, that they will ask forgiveness, that they will turn their direction around and run towards you and ask you to come into their lives and change them. 
Lord, meet that person. I pray that this would be the moment for them that they would start this journey. Lord, help us to be a church that comes alongside of them. Help us to be the church that reaches out to those people that are in the dirt. Help us to remember that what it was like to be far from you. And help us to share our testimony with those people of what you've done in our lives. Lord, don't let us be sticks. Lord, if we're just going to be sticks, close this church down. Get rid of it. Lord, and, and raise up a new church. Father, help us to take this on, every one of us, Lord, and abide in your presence and abide in you, Lord, and, and press yourselves into us and help us to look more like you, be more like you, love people more like you, show grace to people more like you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.